Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. Well, today's episode is very special and very interesting. I will have two parts of this episode because I decided to create a series, like mini series for this one, because I wanted you to have a full experience of this magical and transforming episode where I will be sharing with you guys so much of in this episode my guest Grace Smith and I will be doing live hypnotherapy session so I will be guided through and you guys will be following me along every step step by step so first we'll be doing self-hypnosis after we'll be identifying my fears or limiting beliefs and after the last step will be breaking those beliefs like going through an increasing abundance and so much more so it's very very interesting episode guys and my guest today is Grace Smith she is one of the famous hypnotherapists and Grace Smith is on a mission to make hypnosis mainstream in order to end needless suffering. As a pioneer in the hypnotherapy field, her private clients include founders of multi-billion dollar tech startups, Fortune 500 CEOs, eight-figure plus entrepreneurs, world-renowned artists, and celebrities. So Grace is the founder of the world's leading provider of hypnosis education, products, and services. Grace has been featured on Dr. Oz, The Doctors, BBC News, Entrepreneur in Style, Glamour, BuzzFeed, Forbes. Grace is the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of four books and so much more. So today, guys, we'll be talking about hypnotherapy. What is hypnotherapy? And what are the benefits? How can you use it for anxiety and stress? How can you use it to quit the bad habits? How can you use it for breaking through your limiting beliefs? And so much more. So this is part one, guys. Part two will be coming out on Thursday. So make sure to stay tuned for part two. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
Hi, Grace. I'm so glad to have you on the Not Basic Bond podcast. And I'm so excited because today will be a very special episode and very exciting. So would you please tell our listeners about yourself and what we are about to dive into? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's a true honor. So my name is Grace Smith, and I am the founder of the Grace app. And essentially, I'm on a mission to make hypnosis mainstream. And there's a whole big long story for why, but I'll give you the very truncated notes on that, which is I used hypnosis to quit smoking when I was 24 years old. I was running a very busy, fast paced office in New York City for the Silicon Valley startup. So all of my peers were in San Francisco. I had all this weight on my shoulders and I had no healthy coping mechanisms. So I partied a lot to work out the stress and the anxiety. And I'm very grateful that I actually took a turn for the worst fast. So I was quite young and I ended up getting sober at 24 years old, but six months into my sobriety, I was still chain smoking cigarettes and someone suggested hypnosis. So I went in with my arms crossed over my chest, not at all expecting it to work, and it's the one thing that did. So one session later, I was a non-smoker and I said, what is this? You know, what is the subconscious mind? Why was this so relaxing and peaceful and informative when I thought it would be creepy or I thought it wouldn't work or I thought it would be mind control and it was none of those things. So I said, let me learn more. And I used it then to overcome debilitating stage fright. I had fear of public speaking my whole life. And after 10 sessions of hypnosis was the lead singer in an all-girl rock band in Brooklyn. <laughs> so that worked. And then I started going, how could the same thing help with smoking and fear of public speaking or performance? They seem to be entirely unrelated. So piqued my interest even more about the subconscious ended up getting a certification in hypnotherapy just because I was fascinated at this point. And three months into doing hypnosis, just part-time on the side, helping family and friends, I helped a man who was paralyzed on the left-hand side of his body from a stroke. And in our first session together, he broke through his paralysis and moved for the first time in four months. So I ended up marrying his son, if you can believe it. That's how I met the man who would become my future father-in-law. And so ever since my husband and I have been on a mission to make hypnosis mainstream in order to end needless suffering, because what we found is whether it's smoking or weight loss or nail biting or fear of flying or yelling at your kids and being impatient when it's the last thing you want to do all the way through to a stroke induced paralysis, all of this lives in your subconscious. And if you can learn how to access your subconscious directly and rip out the weeds and plant some beautiful seeds of how you want to be in this world, it is so much more rapid and effective than any other tool I've come across in the last 10 years of doing this. So it's very brave and very cool of you to offer to do a hypnotherapy session for all of your viewers and your community to witness and watch because otherwise they'll just see what Hollywood portrays this as, which could not be further from the truth of what it is. I absolutely agree with you. And subconscious mind, like, of course, you just said and explain miracles and magical stories. And I totally believe in subconscious mind because one of my therapists used that theory and not by hypnosis, but she just used like certain phrases and certain words and she would go deep into the problem and she would work with subconscious mind, like looking for the cause of the problem deeper on a deeper level because we hide 
from our problems with other problems and it's all in subconscious mind and the story just told about stroke like my grandma had recently stroke in july and as right now she's still not walking like her leg is moving she can move it she can get up like with our help but then she can't walk like she's afraid there is like in her mind there is some stop sign that yes sends her from walking i guess that's she needs to try this i guess yes absolutely and you know there have been other studies where people have used hypnotherapy to break through a stroke-induced paralysis. So my father-in-law is not the only documented case. And what they described to me, the medical uh, community, is that mm-hmm. our mirror neurons are activated very powerfully in hypnosis. And so if, if you kind of think that a stroke kind of fries the neurons burns them up and makes them where they can't be utilized. If only a small section is burned, but then by using hypnosis, you're able to activate the surrounding mirror neurons and they can create these phantom connections. You can, and which then turn into real connections outside of that old burnt spot, you can regain some motion. So he now walks without a cane. He has limited range of motion in his left arm still, and it's difficult for him to grasp some things. So it's not like he, you know, went back to the way he was as this peak athlete before, but he regained his life. And when I went to go work with him, it wasn't to to work on the stroke. Again, I was only doing this for three months. Neither he nor I or anyone assumed that was possible. I went to help him with his depression because by becoming um paralyzed at 46 years old, he was very, very depressed. So it's not to say that this is a miracle cure who will work for everyone, but if there are enough healthy mirror neurons in the surrounding area, my goodness, it's certainly worth a shot. So I'd be happy to gift your grandmother a session if she's open to it. Just why not? At the, at the very least, she'll feel less stressed and less afraid. That's absolutely for certain. Yeah, so true. And also, are there any side effects on it and like can people get anxious after this or you know like sometimes sound bath or reiki session makes some people anxious afterwards and they go through these waves but with hypnotherapy how does this work great question there are very few instances where you feel worse after hypnotherapy before getting better so that can happen with a lot of healing modalities, you know, EMDR is one of them. It's very powerful, but you tend to feel really bad for a bunch of days after a session. And then it kind of alleviates and you go from there. Hypnotherapy, I'd say maybe one in every 100 sessions, not one in 100 people, but one in 100 sessions, because you could never have it happen. And then all of a sudden on your hundredth session, you feel kind of crummy the next day. It just sort of just depends what you work on. Um, But the way hypnotherapy is so effective is because accessing what's called the theta brainwave state of being. So if we were to put sensors on our head and read on a monitor, the brain waves we're currently producing, we'd be producing right now what are called beta brain waves. So they are conscious awareness and the waves would look like this. So spiking fast and close together. That's just regular talking. That is our least adaptive state. That state, the beta brainwave state, our normal waking consciousness is the state where we can take in the least amount of new information. If we were to just pause our talking and stare out the window and contemplate something, we drop down into alpha, which is a little bit smoother, a little bit slower. And that's what's known as daydreaming. Now, way down here where the waves barely move at all is delta and that's sleep. 
when we're asleep, we are consciously offline. We're not consciously aware of ourselves sleeping in bed. We're consciously totally offline, but our subconscious is awake when we're in the REM stage of sleep, because that's what dreams are, right? It's our subconscious working the day out. So most people think hypnosis takes place in Delta, where we're consciously offline, where we're in this blackout state. And that's not true. That's Hollywood movie projection. That's false. Where hypnosis takes place is this beautiful place that is deeper than daydreaming, but more awake and alert and conscious than sleep, which is called the theta brainwave state. So when you're in theta, you're so wonderfully, deeply relaxed. You feel so perfectly safe that you finally have the surplus energy required to create new neurological links in the brain very, very rapidly. So to answer your question about side effects, you have to relax to even get into hypnosis. And so it's unlikely that someone would feel anxiety after because you're in this beautiful release that almost nobody ever gets to. If you're a deep meditator, you know what theta is all about. Most other people are just getting more and more stressed in beta and they don't even know what this beautiful state feels like. Some people get anxious before hypnosis, like their first session, they're, they don't know what to expect and they find themselves almost having a panic attack. They're so nervous. Not everybody, you know, some just are a little bit nervous, but most people, their first session of hypnosis are at least at a tiny bit heightened anxiety level. And that's perfectly normal, natural. We expect it. And it's great because once you get into theta, you feel even better than if you had walked in calm. So it's not a bad thing. Very interested about all the uh, things that hypnosis can do. What problems are usually kind of solved and shifted in hypnosis? Is it usually our fears, our blocks, our maybe financial limiting beliefs or anything else? Yes, all of the above and more. So because hypnosis is just the most effective way to access your subconscious, if you think about it that way, it's just all it is, is a pathway directly into your subconscious. And it's through relaxation, visualization, meditation. In fact, I call hypnosis meditation with a goal. So when you think about it that way, you can understand the breadth of what's possible because you're in your subconscious now. So anything that's stored in your subconscious, you can work on, including memories, beliefs, emotional reactions, and how you show up in the world. So it's everything from insomnia to wanting to be the best public speaker you can be to overcoming subconscious limitations about what you think is possible in love and finding the love of your life because you're no longer sending out subconscious signals that you don't signals you don't trust anybody you know it's it's literally all limiting beliefs all emotional responses all habits and fears so that was interesting to me when i first started and i was like how could the same thing that works on smoking work on public speaking but really it's all in the subconscious so there's very few things that you can't work on hypnosis with. The only contraindication is schizophrenia, because if there's a little bit of a departure from having a sense as to what's reality and what's not, then you'll see when you go into the theta brainwave state, we're going to be able to be in multiple places all at once. You can be on a beach, but you can also be in your beautiful apartment and you can also be whatever it is we're gonna work on together. Let's say it was feeling comfortable flying because that's a popular one, also on a plane. So for someone who has difficulty with sort of a break from reality that's happening spontaneously, doing it on purpose is just not beneficial. Um, but for everyone else in the world, hypnotherapy is incredibly 
cathartic, therapeutic, and helpful. That having been said, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. We don't diagnose or treat disorders. Obviously we don't prescribe medication. I'm just an expert in you accessing your subconscious and upgrading it. Okay. I guess we can jump into it. (laughs) Okay, great. So I I will say one more thing, because I think a lot of people listening might be wondering, well, why does Hollywood make it look like it's mind control? You know, why do they make it seem that way if it's not that way? Do you think that'd be helpful to touch on? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's very interesting. (laughs) Okay, perfect. So there was a man named Franz Anton Mesmer in the 1850s, and it's from his last name that we get the word mesmerizing or mesmerized. And he, in the beginning of his career, used hypnotherapy very effectively. Hypnotherapy has been around since ancient Egypt. There were sleep temples and people would go in and the priests and priestesses would, you know, whisper. And the quotes were for the magic words that they would use and whisper into people's ears. Really, it was just affirmations. And then the people would exit the sleep temples having been transformed. So hypnotherapy is thousands of years old. But this guy in the 1850s started off with a very successful career using hypnotherapy. And then as time went on, he got weird (laughs) and he started doing stage antics and he started bringing in all these things that aren't hypnotherapy. And he was just a bizarre dude. And so unfortunately, he kind of tainted the image of hypnosis, even though it had already been around for thousands of years and was widely effective in helping, you know, soldiers on the battlefield when they ran out of anesthesia and and a whole host of other amazing things. So because of this skewed perception that came from Anton Mesmer early, early on in Hollywood, They were able to use hypnosis as a way of describing why a character who would normally never behave in a certain way all of a sudden were, right? So if they were really shy and awkward, all of a sudden now they're the most outgoing person in the room. Why is that? It has to be hypnosis. It's not true, but I mean, honestly, I think it's lazy screenwriting. You know, it's a way for people to explain behavior without having to give a truthful backstory. So if hypnosis were actually mind control, people would just bring me their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend and a checklist and we'd have 8 billion customers, right? Like I can't even make someone pick their socks up off the floor if they don't want to. That's just how much it isn't mind control. And the extent to which you want the results is how quickly you'll tend to experience the results. So in my own example, I 100% wanted to quit smoking. There was none of me left that wanted to smoke and I quit in one session. But in order to overcome the fear of public speaking, I knew I'd have to speak in public, which I didn't actually want to do. So part of me really wanted it part of me didn't want it. And that took a whole whopping 10 sessions. So on average, you can expect about 93% improvement after six sessions per topic. Very interesting in how you told the history about this. Yeah, I know so many people have different misconceptions about this and because they heard so many myths about it. So I'm glad you clarified that. Okay, perfect. Great. So what we'll do now is we'll do two rounds of self-hypnosis. They're nice and short, but it's just Mm -hmm. so you get to feel and everybody who's listening, as long as you're not driving, please don't follow along if you're driving because you will relax deeply just to see what it feels like to go from beta, which is normal waking consciousness where we're speaking right now down into that beta state and to see that everyone is capable of doing this. Everyone actually naturally goes in and out of beta all the way down to Delta, which is sleep and back up through the loop all day long. So nobody listening is going, or if you're saying to yourself, I can't be hypnotized. It's actually inaccurate. Every single person can be. And, um, 
it's to your benefit to play with it and see what it feels like to go into theta. So if you're interested, everybody can follow along. And how we'll start is by figuring out your starting stress level. So zero is the most relaxed you can possibly be. And 10 is a full blown panic attack. So what would you say is your starting number right now? Well, you know, I had the panic attacks last year. I'm really bad that I couldn't eat. I um, had to, you know, I had them constantly several times a day. Yeah. And that was terrible for like three months. I've had it. And now I kind of learned how to manage it. So now I guess it's like five, six. Wow. That's beautiful. Congratulations on learning how to manage it. That's, you know, you get your quality of life back because it really does rob you. I couldn't, so do it. I couldn't even sleep. I like, it was a misery. I yeah. lost like 20 pounds because I, I didn't want to eat. Like I had like no appetite. You know? And do you know, and my apologies, if it's something you've discussed on the podcast and I happened to miss the episode or something, but do you know what the trigger was? You know, I don't because I was fine. And like, it started three years ago and then I've had it. Then I, it stopped and went away. Then I was completely fine. And then like one day I was just sitting there and I just had some fear about someone, not about myself, but then it happened to be two months later, my mom's friend committed suicide and I had fear about someone jumping out of the window. So I'm very intuitive sensitive to things i can feel it and i didn't you know i don't go into i mean i, I probably would i had so many suggestions from the healers and shamans and all that if i wanted to do it i could probably do it but i don't want to do it because yeah. i think it's too much and yeah. but i have strong intuition even yeah. i can look at the picture and i can tell about the person sometimes that's amazing <laughs> But I don't practice it professionally. Just like, you know, I just, I had this crazy kind of like awakening, spiritual awakening, maybe when I was 29. And like the past four years, I've been like, so, you know, sensitive. I've been before, my intuition has been always pretty strong, but I never really trained it. Wow. Absolutely. So, I mean, not to say that it needs to be your profession, but our story sounds similar. I started off very intuitive and not wanting to do anything with it. And lo and behold, <laughs> look where I am now. So you never know where life's going to take you, but I love that you're using your platform to share with your community, you know, the ways that people can utilize these tools, even if you're not the practitioner yourself in order to heal. So this is really interesting. You know, I was going to take us down kind of just an interesting journey through your subconscious mind, but I wouldn't be surprised if we end up finding out a little bit more about what caused these panic attacks. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. We could always do another session, not for the podcast later to, to go into it if you want. But yeah. what happens a lot of the time is you have a panic attack and then you end up fearing having a panic attack. And so the fear of having one can set them off. Was that a, your experience? It was. And like, it was all fine, but then actually I'm sensitive about someone who is close to me and if some of the family members have something that I kind of like adopted to myself and then when a family member had rapid like heart palpitations then I started like thinking about mine and I started fearing of that so it's like you know <laughs> I got it yes yeah it when you're as empathic as you are yeah. it's 
to take, are you, do you find it difficult going on public transportation, like a subway or a bus? Do you end up feeling like you're taking on everybody's energy in those places? Not anymore because I learned to separate it. Like I explained before my, one of my therapists work with subconscious minds. She told me that I can feel it from other people. That's why when I walk in a room or when I'm around so many people, when I'm on the plane, I used to have it really bad anxiety on the plane because uh, so many people do have it on the plane and she said like you just basically felt it that's why it wasn't yours but you felt it but we worked on that block kind of to work it through so I don't like accept it so I kind of now separate it but I still can feel energy people's energy like you know when they you meet someone or when you walk in a room I still feel that, but not to the level that I used to. That was scary. Beautiful. I'm so happy that you were able to learn those tools. Yeah. A quick tip for everyone listening. If you haven't heard this before, especially if you're empathic and you probably are, if you are listening to this episode, um, is this mine or someone else's, you know, when we start to take on energy that are other people's and we don't realize we're doing that, we start to wonder if there's something seriously wrong with us a lot of the time. And if we're developing anxiety or depression or whatever else. And so a quick question, is this mine or someone else's? And 99% of the time I get that it's somebody else's and I just have to energetically send it back and clean myself up a little bit and recalibrate. But it's interesting that even though you learned how to do that in public spaces and around strangers, that you're still feeling your family members or because this was your mother's best friend, you know, we tend to kind of let the walls back down again with friends and loved ones. And um, it's not a bad thing necessarily to know when something's happening with a loved one, but it can be overwhelming as well. So you're you able know, to. Yeah, it's scary because I don't know what to do and how to protect them from this. Like I had a fear in April about my grandma and her having a stroke and she got it in July. Like I had this fear and I had this crazy pictures coming up in my head, not there like I picture it, but they're just like out of nowhere. And that happened to her and it was just like, that's what I was fearing of. And I didn't know what, how to protect them, how to prevent them from this, but you know. Well, I'm thinking of a dear friend of mine who the way she feels better when she gets nervous about something, let's say COVID, right? When it first started two years ago, she wanted to read every medical journal. She wanted to know every single thing about every single molecule of what was happening. She wanted to know about every single person who was dying in Italy before it came here. So she knew the numbers and knew the stats. That's what calms her. I had to turn the news off. I had to turn yeah, it off. I did too, but you know, the weirdest and craziest part with COVID was I felt it too. I was in Jamaica at that time for vacation and I already told that story on my podcast, but I'll probably for new listeners i'll say it again i had such a strong fear but not about myself about the whole world and i'm like with my friends and i was like you know i have this fear like i'm not in the reality and i feel this strong fear why is it so scary what's going on what's going to happen in the world and like we're coming back and a few weeks later we find out there's a whole pandemic like affected the whole world i was like oh my god now it all explains <laughs> I have chills all over. Wow. So, I mean, I think when it comes to you receiving this information in many ways, it's a beautiful gift. I I know you can feel the aspects of it that are a beautiful divine gift. 
And when it comes to, okay, but now how do I tell people or do I tell people? It's really going to be a matter of how that individual would filter that information. Are they going to be like my friend who wants every nitty gritty detail and is calmed by having as much as possible? Or is that person someone who needs as little as possible, you know, um, and more of like a suggestion around eating healthy or like grandma, let's go for a walk as opposed to I saw this and everyone will be different and you can use your intuition and also just asking, you know, I, I kind of got a little bit of a download about something for you without giving an indication if it's positive or negative, like, you know, if you ever want the information, let me know. But in the meantime, I won't say anything just so you know, everything's great. It always turns out great, which is true. But you know, I, I started thinking if like, if it's just like me or if it's really, it's going to happen or if it's true, like I start questioning a lot and that's why I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know if I should even say anything about it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ethical questions behind a gift like this. So, you know, while you're developing it and while you're learning to trust it, just journal what comes to you and the universe will send you signs of synchronicities as to whether you're meant to share that in another way or not. But I would get it down on paper so you can go back and say, oh, wow, look at the date, look at what I got, look at what happened and start to build up your own faith and trust in your abilities and then your ability to disseminate the information or not ethically and in a way that's in alignment, you're going to get it. You're already on the path. It's already happening. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm interested to see where we go today. Now that I know this about you, because we're definitely going to visit your inner child, which is one of the most powerfully healing, cathartic things that anyone can do for themselves. I'm sure you've done some of that work yeah, in yeah, your self-healing. Um, and then we were going to visit a fear and do some healing around a fear. We don't know what the fear is yet. We'll see what your subconscious wants to bring forth. And then if there's anything that you want to amplify and magnify, so if there's an area of your life where you're doing great, but it could be even stronger, like confidence or abundance, or even eating in a way that's in alignment with what your body's craving, um, whatever it is, we'll ask your subconscious because your subconscious knows better than your conscious. <laughs> and, and that was sort of the, the plan for your session today. Does that feel good? Yeah. And so for everybody listening, we'll start with those two rounds of self-hypnosis that everyone can participate in as long as they're not driving. And then from there, we'll just do your session and everyone can listen on. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So still at about a six level stress. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. All right. Go ahead and close your eyes. Mm -hmm. Take a nice deep letting go breath and think of a color you love. It can be a color or a shade. Anything's perfect and correct. And say that color out loud when you're ready. Pink. Pink, perfect. And imagining pink flowing in through the top of your head, all the way through your body, out the bottoms of your feet, down into the center of the earth. Pink relaxing you, pink releasing you. Pink taking you all the way down. You realize now your eyelids are wonderfully deeply relaxed. Your eyelids are so wonderfully deeply relaxed. They just want to stay closed. No matter how hard you try to open them, they just want to stay closed. And when you're absolutely certain your eyes just don't want to open, go ahead and say pink. Pink. And imagine pink flowing in through the top of your head, all the way through your body, out the bottoms of your feet, down into the center of the earth. 
Pink relaxing you, pink releasing you, pink taking you all the way down. Repeat out loud after me. I am safe. I am safe. I am calm. I am calm. I choose to be here. I choose to be here. Take a nice deep letting go breath. And one last time, say pink. Pink. Imagining pink flowing in through the top of your head, all the way through your body, out the bottoms of your feet, down into the center of the earth. Remembering zero is the most relaxed you can possibly be. Go ahead and notice your new number on the scale and say that number out loud when you're ready. Three. Three. Perfect. And open your eyes. Mm -hmm. amazing so you just cut your stress in half mm -hmm. in like 60 seconds really beautiful so first time you've ever done self-hypnosis is that right yeah <laughs> amazing so you can see how powerful this is going to be because if yeah. it was just a 60 second process and you cut your stress in half for everyone listening you know there will be people who started at an eight and they went to a seven there will be people who started at an eight and they went to a zero. I mean, it will run the gamut, but the average is exactly what you experienced, which is that you cut your stress in half in just the first round. So imagine if someone were going into a stressful situation and they just took 60 seconds to do self-hypnosis, they'll be so much more grounded, so much more in control of their faculties. They'll say what they want to say, or they'll eat what they want to eat, or they'll just have the energy they desire to have instead of that stress manic energy where we end up being kind of out of control, both physically and emotionally. So awesome first round. <laughs> Very interesting. Is it like your body automatically tells you the number? Because like, you know, I didn't think of the number. It just, you know, yeah, it's a very intuitive wow. thing. Everyone's always able, you know, I say on a scale of zero to 10, if 10 is a panic attack and zero is the most relaxed you can be, people can just feel and know where they are. You know, sometimes they'll say, oh, between six and seven, like you did, maybe five and six. We tend to um, assume the higher number to start. And then when you're done, you can just feel it. You can just feel how you dropped from a fight, flight, freeze, survival mode, stress state, because anything above a four, so five and above is in the red zone. That's not where we want to live. Anything from four or below is in the safe zone. That's where we want to live. So you went from a stress state to the safe zone in a minute, never having done it before. Awesome job. So I'll briefly describe how and why that works. And then we'll do round two and then we'll get into your session. Mm -hmm. So when I say, imagine a color you love, the color you love tends to show up as we can see in your background, in your wardrobe, it tends to show up in people's throw pillows. It tends to show up in their coffee mug or the color of their walls. Right. And so if you do self-hypnosis enough, and my recommendation is that every single day, at least three times a day, pairing it with breakfast, lunch, and dinner is an easy way to remember to do it because you're already going to have those meals. So <clears throat> you start to train your subconscious mind to relax every time you see the color when you do this. So you already like it, which relaxes you. But then if you're training yourself to relax by saying pink, then just by saying, seeing pink, you're going to start relaxing. So it's very cool. It has a very cool long-term effect. Then I said, you noticed your eyes were so wonderfully, deeply relaxed. They just wanted to stay closed. No matter how hard you try to open them, they just want to stay closed. 
So the reason why your eyes didn't open is because I said the word try. And without giving you any information up front, we all collectively know that to try is to fail. So if a girlfriend says, oh, I'll try to meet you for lunch, chances are she's not coming. <laughs> but if we say, oh, I'm going to try to launch a podcast, chances are it's not happening. We want to do it or not do it. But it also shows that um, we're beginning to absorb suggestions, which is great. So if anybody who was following along during that moment popped their eyes open, it typically is a sign of hypervigilance and fear of trusting others, which is totally fine and safe and a great safety mechanism, especially if you've been through something traumatic. And so for those folks, I would say in second round, say to yourself, I choose to keep my eyes closed because I choose to go deeper. And you'll see that your eyes stay shut. That's usually about 10% of the population. Their eyes pop open when I say try and 90% stay closed. So wherever you fall on the spectrum is perfect and correct. And then I am safe. I am calm. I choose to be here. Most of the time we tell ourselves over and over again, what we don't want to feel. We'll say, oh, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed right now. I'm so stressed right now. And so we're telling ourselves to be stressed. We're already feeling it. Now we're just strengthening it. When we can take a moment to say how we want to feel instead, I am safe. I am calm. I choose to be here. We create what I call a neural precedent for actually feeling the way we desire to feel by stating that we already are. So I choose to be here is interesting because let's say we're in traffic. It's a very powerless feeling and it tends to be why we freak out so much about it. But if we say to ourselves, well, I, I got in my car, like I made a choice. I choose to be here in this traffic because I chose to go where I'm going by just reclaiming some of the power in that moment and not feeling so much like an out of control victim, we calm down. And the double special meaning of I choose to be here is I choose to be here in the present moment. So all stress and anxiety comes from worrying about the past or worrying about the future. But I choose to be here inserts us into the present moment, the now, which is where we can actually feel peace. So it's a very simple phrase with a lot of power packed into it. So anybody who you know listens to my app or attends my hypnotherapy certification school or works with one of the coaches I trained, they're going to hear, I am safe, I am calm, I choose to be here a lot. So everybody listening, feel free to adopt that in your own lives right away. All right. Any questions about that before we do round two? No, but you know, I'm safe. That was always my go-to when I had panic attacks. It's like my number one, like anchor me down. To, because when you're having a panic attack, your mind is going crazy. It's all over the place. But when you say I'm safe, then it's like changes kind of perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm feeling called to share this before we move on. So I just will very quickly for anyone who also suffers from panic attacks, who's listening, you can use hypnotherapy to visualize undoing it. So it's almost like if you imagine a knot being tied like that's the feeling of the panic attack. It's, it becomes this knot. But if you think about, usually there's a progression. It's usually like sweaty palms first and then heart palpitations and sometimes nausea and then sometimes disorientation, sometimes sweating. And usually for most folks, if you think about what happens, it's usually the same progression every time. So in hypnosis, think about undoing it from back to front. So if the last thing that happens is a foggy brain disorientation, think about a beautiful flurry snowstorm, just cooling down the mind. And now the mind is crystal clear. 
And then if the next thing that happens before that is sweaty palms, imagine getting out a beautiful hair dryer and putting it on the cool blast and dry the palms. And then if it's the heart palpitations, just imagine mm, going for a slow walk on the most pristine beach and you just feel the heart come down. And so once you know you can untie the knot yourself by going backwards and visualizing the opposite of each step, then the fear of having the panic attack goes away because you know that if it happened to happen, unlikely now, but if it happened to, you could get yourself out, which decreases the likelihood of them happening in the first place. So hopefully that's helpful. And we've got a recording for that on our app too. Awesome. Okay, let's do round two. So let's start with your number now. Um, you ended at a three. Go ahead and just notice if your number popped back up or if you're still at a three. So this one was part one, guys. Part two is coming out on Thursday. Make sure to stay tuned for that one. And it will be very, very interesting because we'll be talking about, of course, self-hypnosis. I'll be going through the session of self-hypnosis and I'll be revisiting my inner child. I will be healing some of the problems like internal problems that I have and I'll be identifying I mean we will be identifying with grace my self-limiting beliefs we'll be identifying the fear and what it's look like we'll be talking about abundance how can I increase it we'll be going through it will be a very very interesting episode guys I highly recommend you to stay tuned for part two and it will be coming out very very soon but that's all for part one that was all for today guys i hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as i did not basic blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every tuesday and thursday to support the show tag nbb podcast on your instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on instagram as well at not basic blonde underscore or nbb podcast and if you haven't Subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day.